Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the St. Barnabas Thatcham podcast for this week. This is a slightly different one um, for us because we're actually meeting in person down at St. Mary's for an outdoor communion service and praying for the rain to hold off. Um, so yes, do pop down. It's at 11.30 on Sunday the 19th. So if you're listening to this before then, do pop down. But I'm sure there will be other things in the coming weeks, um, opportunities for us all to get together. And the sermon that we'll be hearing down at St. Mary's this morning and the prayers are exactly the same as what you're going to hear on this podcast. So we're aware that for some people you're still um, not able to come together um, or might be a little worried about doing that or for health reasons might not be able to come. So, yes, everything is here um, and we're thinking of you um, very much want you to be included. So, yes, all here. And perhaps you want to listen to the sermon again. So it's here as a record for you. So we have Angela, um, who is our new curate for our team in Thatcham. She's going to be sharing some thoughts with us today on the Bible reading. Um, But let's begin with a prayer. Lord, we gather and we pause to think about your world, which is such a beautiful place. We want everything to be perfect, but we accept that it is far from that. So bring us together to learn from you how to be your presence in the world, how to create a right environment and be fruitful for you in all we do. Keep us always watchful and prayerful. Amen. So we're now going to hear some readings for today. So the first one is from the book of Genesis and this is in chapter 28 and we're in the story of Jacob. So we join the reading at verse 10 of chapter 28. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood behind him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head, and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. So our second reading comes from the book of Romans, one of Paul's letters to the early church. This is from chapter 8 and it begins at the 12th verse. So then, brothers and sisters, 
We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labour pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly while we wait for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And finally, we have our reading from Matthew's Gospel. So we are still in the section of Matthew's Gospel where um, Matthew is recording some of the parables, some of the stories that Jesus taught. So this is another one of those parables. We're at verse 24 of chapter 13. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and the disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the wheat in the fields. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire. 
where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you curacy sermon from my shed office at the bottom of my garden. But here I am, and today we have the parable of the wheat and the weeds, which is oddly appropriate as I have in front of me so many examples of just how persistent weeds can be. When we moved to Newbury, which is over 15 years ago now, 
I'd never had my own garden and I had really high hopes of growing beautiful borders and raised beds full of Waitrose quality vegetables. Well, it wasn't long before I resigned myself to live alongside the dandelions and to get my vegetables from a shop. My dad occasionally reminds me when I'm complaining about the weeds taking over the garden, that gardens need more attention than just one weekend a year chucking brambles into the wheelie bin. And he described gardening to me as a kind of continual encouragement of the plants you want and the continual discouragement of the plants you don't. I could hear my dad's advice in my mind when I was reading the wheat and the weeds parable for today. Last week, Nicola described the parable of the sower in terms of the garden of our inner life. And the theme continues in this week's Gospel. Here the crowds are gathered at the edge of Lake Galilee and Jesus is speaking to them from the boat. All the stories he tells them of the sower, the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed and the yeast, they're all along this theme of growing faith, of fostering wisdom, of choosing the way of God rather than the ways of the world. The kernel at their heart is how to deal with the age-old problem of what it is to be a conflicted human being. I say age-old because we know from the very beginnings of humanity, from the time of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that human beings, even with everything they needed to flourish right at their elbows, were captivated by what? The one single thing that they were told was bad for them, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of it, you shall surely die. We are, each of us, inevitably and legitimately more than one person. There are two sides to each of us, sometimes a lot more than two sides. And we might be different at work to how we are at home. We might be different as a parent to how we are as a professional. Sometimes we feel more like a child than an adult. But we're in good company in this. We've just heard about Captain Conflict, as I call him, Jacob, and his dream about the ladder to heaven. Jacob's two selves are so marked he even has two names. Later in his story, he receives the name Israel when he wrestles with God. But much of his life seems to be an internal wrestling with his own desires and penchant for having things his own way versus the ways of God. He kind of seesaws between Jacob, the wily trickster, and Israel, the father of the nations. Where we meet him in the story today, he's still very much Jacob. He's not yet Israel. He's cheated his brother out of his birthright, and now he's on the run. Alone in the desert, he's vulnerable and tired, and he rests his head on a stone, and he falls asleep. When he sleeps, he dreams, and he dreams of a ladder, leading to heaven, and in his dream he hears the voice of God. So here he is, and he's poised with his eyes up to heaven and his feet firmly on the earth. The ladder is between. He doesn't attempt to climb the ladder. When God hands on to him the work begun by Abraham. He promises to bless Jacob with land and with descendants as numerous as the grains of sand he's lying upon. And God also says that Jacob will be a blessing to the people of God. It's quite a vision, really. 
But what does Jacob have to say about all of this? Well, he sort of says, we'll see. He's worried about his immediate situation. You give me bread and you give me clothes for now and safe passage home, he says to God, and I'll give you a tenth of anything I accumulate. That could be a tenth of nothing. Jacob is still his old self. He's angling for things to pan out as best he can for himself. He isn't yet Israel. He's still wheeling and dealing. He's not ready for the dazzling ambitions that God has for him. And as he is, he's a bit of an unlikely candidate for the person charged with the future of the people of God. But yet when he wakes, he realises that something has changed, as he says, for surely God is in this place. Even Jacob, as the thief and the runaway, he recognises that he is in the presence of holiness. The push-me-pull-you between Jacob and Israel, humanity and holiness, is a very human condition. We have in each of us the potential for wisdom and for foolishness, the potential for harm and holiness. Life, the Christian life, is a constant choosing between them. Paul puts it in terms of a spiritual battle, but for much of the time the Christian life is thankfully much more mundane like the regular plucking out of weeds from the flower beds, encouraging the growth of what we want and discouraging that which we don't. The problem is really that the good and the bad, faith and unbelief, the word of God and the whispers of the enemy, the kingdom of God and the ways of the world, they live and they grow side by side like wheat and weeds and we don't always recognise the weeds for what they are but God does. There's a Jacob and an Israel in all of us. We might not actually wrestle with God or dream of ladders leading to heaven, but we can see in ourselves the struggle between human desire and holiness, the struggle between the material and the spiritual, the earthly and the heavenly, the wheat and the weeds. I want to finish with a prayer. It's one I discovered years ago and it's stayed with me ever since. It's by Austin Williams, and he was a priest at St Martin in the Fields um, long ago, but his kind of legacy stayed with him in the church, and when I used to attend there, it used to pop up quite regularly in services. Austin Williams was asked whether he wrote the prayer, and he answered quite honestly that he he thinks he he wrote it, but he can't quite remember. It goes like this. I am not one person. I am two people. One is longing to serve you completely, and the other is afraid. O Lord, have compassion upon me. I am not one person. I am two people. One will labour until the end, and the other is already weary. O Lord, have compassion upon me. I am not one person. I am two people. One knows the suffering of the world, and the other knows only their own. O Lord, have compassion upon me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
So let us pray. Lord, it's hard not to feel like we are lost in a forest of bad news at the moment. Just one glance at the headlines and we are propelled into the chaos of our new COVID-19 world order. Ongoing loss and sadness for many. The possibility of a coronavirus resurgence in the winter. Confusion about masks, recession and the impending disaster of the virus rampaging through already war-torn countries. And that's all before you get to the non-Covid articles on the American election, the underside of British gymnastics and the murky world of Jeffrey Epstein and his associates. Worries about cybercrime and spying. To name just a few of the unsettling, sad and bad stories we've been confronted with in recent days. Lord, it feels like goodness and light is being smothered by something much darker. It is like in our parable for today, as if someone has come into a field of wheat and sowed weeds everywhere. A field turned into a muddle, healthy wheat lost in a sea of wild, uncontrollable weeds. Help us, Lord, to be like the farmer who saw the field as a whole. Help us to look at your world and see it as you do, as a whole. Help us to have patience and wait for your harvest. So, Lord God, we do pray for our world and its people. So many different cultures, colours, languages, special in our own right. Whatever our gender, race, colour or creed, we all belong to you. We all need your love. We pray that we might learn to live in harmony with each other, to recognise that even someone halfway around the world is still our neighbour in your sight. Far or near, we all belong to you. We all need your love. We thank you for today's technology, which means we have access to friends and family. Not the same as face to face, but without it, many of us would be lost. Thank you for the creativity and kindness that has been shown through using the media. We pray for those working hard to find a vaccine. We pray for your protection, your inspiration and your guidance. In the meantime, we ask you to grant us relief from this pandemic. Help it to leave as fast as it came. Far or near, in whatever you are asking us to do, we all belong to you. We all need your love. So, Lord, we pray for those near and dear to us. Protect them. Wrap them in your loving arms. And in sorrow and in joy, be with them. We pray for John and Barbara and all others on our hearts and minds at this time. We give you thanks that weddings have begun again and pray especially for Justin and Lizzie, who were married last week. Lord, may you grant them a long and happy marriage. We pray for all churches as they begin to open up for services. Give them inspiration as to how to keep everyone safe, in a way that does not undermine our worship of you. And we pray for those who have died and now see their lives as they really are. 
We pray for your mercy on them and thank you for all their acts of goodness and love. Near or far, we all belong to you. We all need your love. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So as ever, thank you so much to everyone who's contributed this week. Thanks, Angela, for recording that sermon for us, um, to Brenda for the prayers and to our wonderful music group for producing that recording for us. Um, so we are really hopeful that we will be able to meet as St Barnabas in the not too distant future. Um, rest assured, we're working away on it um, to find the best options for us in the coming weeks. And we will let you know as soon as we have firmed up any plans for that. Um, so praying for you all, thinking of you all, and let's end now with a prayer. Lord, we thank you that we have been able to spend time with you today, that in that time we have felt ourselves grow stronger and have been blessed with your presence. Send us out to spread your love in your precious name. And may the blessing of God Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. So see you all very soon. Bye.